The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Uh, somebody on the way into church this morning said, Graham, um, you must be talking about money today. And I said, uh, actually, I am. Why do you say that? He said, you're wearing ripped jeans, holes in them. You may be, that was a part of your effect, like wear holy jeans. No, no, that isn't. Um, but today we're actually not going to talk about money. What I want to talk about is savings, okay? And I want you to just think, how many people in this room still have savings accounts? Anybody here have a savings account? Anyone use a couple here? What about CDs, mutuals? Anybody do that kind of stuff? CDs or anything like that, right? What about putting your money under your bed, your mattress? Anybody do that? More and more people are doing that. Don't tell us your address, okay? (laughs) What I want to think about is something you maybe never thought about before, but just as you have a savings account in this world, you have an eternal savings account. We might call a GSA. You have a God savings account, and we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about the way that you invest in God's savings account is not by massive amounts of investments in terms of money. And we're going to talk about it's about the heart and it's about routine, regular small things. So this last week, Star and Haley and I got a chance to go down a couple of days before Thanksgiving and Christmas. We spent in Seal Beach uh, down south. And we always like to do that because Christmas is like my tax day. So we're really busy for pastors this time of year. And so right before we like to go down, this is what we thought it was going to look like before we went down. We thought it was going to look like this beautiful beach, sand, you know, place for Haley to play with a little, you know, sandcastle making equipment and such. This is what it actually looked like. Uh, we were a little disappointed. It was a complete construction zone, and the beach was closed. And this was really depressing because Haley had a little uh, sand bucket there, and we'd walk down. We were ready to make a sand castle, and it said closed. Not only that, it said there were signs up around it that said this, protect your health, do not eat the contaminated fish. We're like, what is going on? Is this some kind of nuclear waste situation or, or a tsunami? Head? And I, I asked one of the guys, what's with closing the beach? He said, oh, we close the beach every single year. Same time of year, we always close it. He said, and the reason is because we need to move all the sand on this side of the pier. There's an entire mountain of sand that gets washed, and we have to move it to this side of the pier. And it takes about a week to do that, but we have to move all this sand. I said, well, it's great that we chose the one week that you're moving all this sand for us to come down, but I mean, there must be thousands of tons of sand. He said, try tens of thousands of tons of sand. I said, you do it in one week? How do you do that? Well, he said, watch. And so we got in one of these big, big uh, trucks, and he picked up a load of this, one ton per load, and he drove it over to the other side, and he dumped it. And then he drove it over to this side, and he picked up another ton of sand, and then he drove it over here. And two or three of his other friends got on these trucks, and they moved this sand. Sure enough, by the end of the week, the entire beach on this side had been moved to this side. How did that happen? How did that mountain get moved? It happened one small movement at a time. I love that, that image. And I, then I asked him about the contaminated fish. He said, oh, that's just because it's near Los Angeles. Um, so anyway, <laughs> what I want to talk today is about a savings account you have with God. Now, again, you've probably never thought of this before. So for some of us, this is going to be brand new information. But just as most of us have a savings account in this world... And that savings account is basically going to get you maybe 1% if you're lucky, 1% to 3%, you know, depending upon where you're investing or how the stock market or wherever's going. You and I all have 
what we were going to call a GSA, a God Savings Account. And this savings account is something you put investments into your entire life. From the moment you're born until the moment you die, you put investments. Now, it doesn't just include money. It includes the time that you offer, the talent that you offer, the volunteer. It includes the people that you're compassionate with, the Thanksgiving dinners you may give to homeless people. And it's based on two metrics, if you will. Instead of just being about money, like our savings account is here, it's based on two metrics. Number one is the metric of your heart. That is the condition of your heart when you're giving. And two, it's based on the routine of the amount of gift. In other words, people who give more regularly and with a good heart are doing better in this savings account by far than people who are giving massive amounts here. This is really important we talk about this because there have been a lot of heresies over the year. That is, uh, faith uh, interpretations which are wrong, which say the more money you have, the more holy you are, the more... none, None of that. That's not what we're saying here at all. This isn't about money. This is about a God savings account. And I want you to think about this today because for some of you, you're saying to yourself, I never thought about that before. I've never thought about a God savings account. I've been really discouraged, maybe you're saying, about my personal savings account right now. But I never thought about this this bigger picture. Now, some of you are saying, you know what, now that I think about it, I probably have millions and millions of dollars or millions and millions of resources that I've put in up there. And some of you are saying, you know what, I need to get going. I need to really focus on this part of my life at this point in my life. Now, again, I want to be real clear about this. We're not talking about an entrance into salvation. We had four amazing baptisms earlier in this worship service. Those were people who became Christ followers. We still believe it's about faith. It's about your personal relationship with Christ. But we also believe that faith without works is what? Dead. That the things that we put into our faith are really a reflection of our faith. So I want to talk about that today, and I want you to think about where your savings account might be with God and how you might work on in increasing your investments. Today we're going to take a look at a text from the Apostle Paul, and he uh, is basically the one who starts giving every single week. By the way, have you wondered why Richard gets up every week and says, you know, this is basically a nice message beforehand and we have giving back? Well, there's a real reason for that. It started with the book of Corinthians. It started with this church. And Paul wanted to talk about people beginning the savings account, regularly giving in small amounts, moving sand from this side to this side. Let's take a look at this amazing text. You've probably never heard a sermon on this text. I've never given one, but it's an important text. 16, 1 through 4. Now, says Paul, about the collection for God's people, about this thing we do, this giving back. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, so the first day for the Jewish people would, would be Sunday. For us, it's Monday. So he's saying, tell your people on Monday, so I'm telling you, on Monday, do this. Each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his or her income. Now, this is important. He's telling them, don't do it on Friday or Saturday. You won't have any left. I love what Katie Rickard said last week in her amazing interview. She said, Smokey and I, if we wait till the end of the month, just not going to be as much there. So we set it aside at the very beginning. Again, this is, this is an important part of our faith, setting it aside. As you saw Betty and Jerry do this, they've done this for 50 years in their marriage. It doesn't matter the percentages. We see the next thing here. Set it aside in keeping with his income. He's not telling how much you should set aside. 1%, 0. 0.01%, 10%, 15%, but it should be in keeping with your income. Save it. Here we have the God savings account. 
So then you go buy groceries, you keep it aside. You go to the movies, you keep it aside. And so that when I come, he says, no collections will have to be made. See, what was happening in the first century church is that Paul would start this church and then he'd go to another area and then he'd come back. But for a long time, they didn't do an offering. They didn't have worship. They didn't pray much. But then when Paul would come, wow, they would have a great pipe organ ready to worship and they would get a great offering together and fill this great chest full of money. And then when Paul came to the apostle, Paul is here. Here's our great gift for you. It's really the opposite of what Betty and Jerry have exemplified, standing in the back, quietly giving over all these years. He said, I don't want you to do that. Do it quietly. Do it humbly. Set it aside. Set this certain amount aside. Have it be the same every single week or every single month, whatever it is. Then he says, when I arrive, then we can have our time together. Give letters of introduction to the men you approve. So we'll send two hopefully honest people with this money to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable, I'll go also. But otherwise, it'll be fine. And then he goes on to the rest. And that is why we do giving back. And it doesn't matter if you've come from a Lutheran church or a Methodist church or a charismatic church or a Catholic church or a Presbyterian or have come from a non-denom. All churches have done this basic thing. And for thousands of years, this is how hospitals have been built and universities and, 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 and homeless programs and shelters. And, and it's how people have had diseases eradicated in foreign countries. And it's how the world has basically done ministry. This quiet setting aside, moving the sand from this side to this side, standing in the back, doing it subtly for God in a regular routine way, making investments into this savings account. And the amazing thing about this is it's so different from the way the world is, isn't it? Because for the world, money is about flash, right? Bling, bling, right? It's about showing off what you have. It's about showing power and dominance, my favorite story about this is John Artberg, one of my favorite pastors, who's a pastor up at Menlo Park. He talks about when he was a little boy, he used to play Monopoly with his grandma every single week. And his grandma was like a Monopoly genius. She would win this game all the time. And she didn't seem like she was going to win. They'd get this board out there, and then she was very subtle and kind of calm, and she would sit back. But after a while, she sort of bought boardwalk and park place and she bought the electric works and she bought the railroad company next thing she knew she was putting hotels on this and next thing she, he was going to jail a couple of times and she won <laughs> and she would do that every single time but one day johnny ortberg who was 12 years old said i am gonna beat my grandma at monopoly they, those days they didn't have internet so you go down to the library and you got a book on monopoly and how to win and how to beat your grandma i think that was the title <laughs> of the book and so he read that book cover to cover, and he figured out how you do it. You start slow, slow and slow will go, and then you pick up investments along the way, and that's what he did. And he, as he went, he started to figure out about halfway through he was going to beat his grandma. He was going to beat his grandma, and he started putting hotels up. He put hotels up on, like, waterworks. No one had ever done that before. He was taking his game to a new level. End of the game comes along. He has beat his grandma. I won, grandma. She sat back and said, Yes, you did, Johnny. He's kind of hoping for a little more than that because <laughs> he did beat her. Uh, I won, Grandma. Yes, you did, Johnny. Well, do you think we could keep the, the Monopoly board to the side and show my friends throughout this week, maybe show them how about I beat you because I beat you fair and square, Grandma. No, you can't, Johnny. What do you mean? What are we going to do now that the game's over? I mean, I did win. No, she said, now the game's over. And it all goes back in the box. What do you mean it all goes back in the box? He said, I mean, this was an amazing game. 
Now, she said, it's over. Pick up all the hotels and the pieces and put it all back in the box. And as John has thought about that, as you've thought about that, as we've thought about that, as Christ followers, we realize that at the end of our lives, this all goes back in the box. The investments aren't great, 1%, maybe 2% in a bad economy. You're going to get minus 5%. Maybe you've lost money in your house upside down. You're underwater. But it all goes back in the box. But this, amen, said a man who's underwater. (laughs) That's a sermon for another day. But this is an investment that will last forever. And I want to underline this. This is not about money. It's about proportionality. It's about time. It's about some semblance of, of a connection to our faith and our action. And so what I want to talk with you about in the next few minutes we have together is how you invest in your God savings account and your GSA. First thing is this. All of the investments you have put in to your GSA in your life will last. They're a rollover account, okay? So I uh, uh, heard this little boy. He, uh, he came to the pastor after church not too long ago, and pastor's out there, and little boy says, Pastor, I'm going to give you all my money, all of it. I love that sermon about giving. And pastor says, no, I just mean like a small percentage. No, I'm giving you the whole thing. I got a whole piggy bank at home I'm giving you. He said, you don't have to do that. But why are you going to do that? Why do you want to give me all your money? Because he said, my daddy said, you're one of the poorest pastors he has ever seen. (laughs) From the mouth of babes, okay. All right. I want to show you my daughter Haley's uh, God piggy bank. As you can see, it's a pink dinosaur. And she just loves putting money into this God savings account. As you can see, it's going pretty well. And she loves to put the coins in the mouth here and just watch it go down. And she just gets a little bit of money at the beginning of the month. And she just can't wait to put a little bit more in, a little bit more. And when she gives money to that, she doesn't put it in this savings account She puts it in this savings account. She gets to give it to a homeless person on the street, or she gets to give it to this church, or she gets to give it to the Salvation Army, or she gets to give it to some other mission that she feels that she feels strongly about, but it goes into this. And when you were a little kid, maybe downstairs you had a Jesus Saves piggy bank, maybe, or you had some other fish piggy bank, and you gave the time that you gave, the the talents that you gave away at that point in your life. Maybe you helped a person mow his lawn when you were 12 years old. That went into this savings account. And you've been building this up, and this is going to build up your whole life when your 20s and your 30s and your 40s, your 60s, your 80s, your 100s, whatever God gives you goes into this savings account. Second thing is this. It's generally better to have regular amounts go into this account rather than big occasional ones. I love this time of year. I call it the holiday five or holiday 10, because that's about 10 pounds I'm going to put on between Thanksgiving or five, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I always do the same. It happens to me the same every single year. It gets a little cold outside, decide that I don't really want to go work out as much as I used to, and so I don't go down to the gym. And, but then that turkey is just so wonderful, and, and the pumpkin pie, and then, well, there's all the chocolate around the office, and I've already put three or four pounds on anyway, so I might as well go the full nine yards. And so then Christmas comes along, and i got to preach and do three or four or five services, whatever. And every year it's the same. For about a whole month and a half, it's just an eat rama in my life. <laughs> and then every year it's the same. I go down to the gym on like the second day of January, and I work out from morning until evening. I put in all day long at the gym. 
It's like 26 miles on the treadmill. And then I go and hit the weights hard because I want to make up for all this time that I haven't been working out. And people who are dietitians and trainers tell me that is so bad for you because it's, it's not good for your heart. It's not good for your arteries, not good for you. You better, much better to work out occasionally, eat just a little bit more in this season, and then maybe have a bigger workout then. I'll tell you, in 11 years of ministry, I've noticed that there are a lot of what I would call binge givers. Not binge eaters or binge workouters, but binge givers. And that means whenever they hear a great sermon, they say, wow, get out the checkbook, honey. This one is going for God. Or they see a great CNN special and they see some kids from Africa and they really pull on their heart and they say, this is my moment. And I want to be clear, that's okay for you to do that. God honors that kind of giving. But it is better for you emotionally, spiritually, to do regular routine giving. And we think about it, God could access all the money in the world right now if he wanted to change the world. All the, actually, forget money. He'd go with right for the hard assets, right? Land, gold, he already owns it. But go with me on this one. He could do that. But why does he allow this process of giving to be a part of the kingdom? Because he knows that it's a part of your spiritual development. So that's the second thing, regular giving. Now, the third thing is why we have this account. And this is really important. In times of difficulty in your life, you can draw on this account spiritually. Now, it's bad theology to say you can draw on this financially. However, there are some churches that do that. That's called the prosperity gospel. That says that the more you give up here, the more you'll get down here. I will tell you as a pastor that I have seen that to be the case. But that can't be the reason that we do it, or else it invalidates the amount of giving we give to this savings account. It just doesn't work very well. But we can draw on this spiritually in times of need. Favorite story about this is a man named Dick Dye and Ellen Barnett, who started the Presbyterian Church of America in 1973. We're a part of the old Presbyterian Church, but they started this denomination. It was just a church. And this guy started this church, a brand new church, and it wasn't going so well. I mean, he didn't have a great church like you are to come each week. He didn't have the volunteers and the money, didn't have the assets. He just, nothing was going well in this church. And every day he'd get more and more discouraged about this, this church that he was trying to build, and he wondered why he'd done this with his life. And, but as he looked up onto the hill every day in that town where he lived, he saw this cross. It was up there, and whenever, no matter what was happening, he was so encouraged, he felt, you know what, the cross is up there, I'm going to get through this day. So one day, again, the church wasn't going well, maybe two or three people in the church, he decides to drive up to this cross, just to see it, to spend some time with it. He gets up to the top of the cross, and he finds that it is on top of a motel. True story. This little motel up on the mountain has a cross on top of it. Couldn't believe it, so he goes into this motel, and he, he says, I'd like to talk to the owner. And the woman behind the desk, desk said, he's not actually doing so well today. He's having a really bad day. Is this really important? He says, it is. I just want to thank him for something. So the owner of this motel comes out. And Dick is standing there and he says, I, just want, I know you're busy and you're having a bad day, but I just want to thank you for that cross. That cross has gotten me through the last year. And there have been moments when I didn't want to go on, I didn't want to keep forward, and I didn't want to keep doing what I'm doing, but that cross has kept me going, so that's why I came. God bless you. Have a good day. The man behind the desk, the owner of that hotel, put his head down, and he started to cry. He said, you have no idea how much grief I have gotten about that cross. Nobody has ever thanked me for that cross. Actually, he said, nobody's really ever thanked me for anything. But 
thank you for coming and thanking me for that. By the way, where do you guys worship? He said, well, Dick said, we don't have any place to worship. Why don't you come down to the hotel this weekend and why don't you have your worship here? That's what he did. They started that denomination in that motel right beneath that cross. It's one of the great denominations. Tim Keller, the Redeemer Church in New York City came from that denomination. Now, why was that cross powerful for Dick Dye? A lot of reasons, right? Because our Savior died and came back to life again on that cross. But it's also because Dick and Ellen had made investments into this account all their lives. They had put time and talent and money, and so when they needed it, it was there. I would stand up to you and say today that I have been in some dark times in my life. I've been through some times where I didn't think I was going to make it out of, but I know I will tell you that the investments I made in this early on, when I was just a kid, helped me through those tough moments. And those are investments you can draw on as well. The last piece is this, and it's for people who I know are givers, who like Betty and Jerry have given these many years, and sometimes you do kind of wonder if it's really all worth it. You do kind of wonder whether this church down here is a great, just big show, or is, is it really the mission of God? And that's a question that Apostle Peter, Disciple Peter, asked Jesus one time. He said, you know, Peter, Jesus said to God, Jesus, I've given up a lot for you. I mean, I've left behind my family and, and my job. I've left everything for you, Jesus. Is it really worth it? Jesus said this to Peter, and he's saying this to you. Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake. There is no one who has ever put any into this GSA who will not receive a hundredfold, hundredfold in this time and in the life to come. A hundredfold. An amazing moment that doesn't happen to pastors very often. On the way into church in this service, I saw some good friends who I haven't seen for a long time, and they came into this church. They were founding members of this church. They've gone on to another church, another town. But they came back to say hi, and they're with us today. And I, I had the great honor of meeting Nancy Richardson's mother, Donna Wilterink, who was a founding member of the Crystal Cathedral. This is a church down south, a little church. It's struggling right now, but she was a found her. Her, her father, Dale Wilterink, was a founding elder in this church when it was like this size, even smaller, before they met in the movie theater. And then they went on to Crystal Cathedral. Donna passed from this world into the next world not too long ago. And as she was holding the hand of her daughter, Nancy, who was here, she said, Nancy, there's something I want to say. I want to make a big gift before I leave this world. And surely the family must have said, you know, Mom, you've done so much. You started a church. You don't need to do that. I said, no, I want to do that. I want to help a bunch of churches. And the one church I do want to help is that little church up there in Paso Robles. That church, I went to the movie theater. I, I want them to be one of the people that we support. So with the last moments of Donna Wiltering's life, she made one last investment into God's savings account. And God called her home. God bless you, Donna. And we don't want to put any pressure on you today to do anything that is, we don't want to put you in any financial straits. 
what this church is about is no perfect people are allowed. You come and we want to help you spiritually in your life. So everything today has been meant as a way to just think about that in a new way. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Richard to come up and just talk about how we will do this as just a church to think about a little more. One more thing, you know, if, if you're not in a place to give at all, you don't give. It's okay. And you hang out here as long as long as you want. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this incredible church that you've built. And I thank you that your cross has shone above our church just as it has that church there in the mountain. I ask that if there's anyone here today who's struggling, they would be able to go into that emotional, spiritual savings account that they have with you. Father, I thank you for the incredible church you've built here. And I ask that you would bless it and bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.